Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, folks. Uh, hope you're all having a nice uh, start to your 2016. It's been a long road again. It's been a long road again. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been caught in a bit of a time warp uh, between work and stuff, but we're back. We're going we're gonna to make a concerted effort to not leave you alone for too long because uh we've got a long road ahead of us yeah enterprise episodes yeah we're we're about uh what a third through uh season three at this point at what by the end of this uh episode of trek trek yeah and then we'll have a whole other season once we get through that so and Uh, then uh yeah we got to wrap this up before the new star trek show for next year (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we really better get on it at this rate. Uh, we're still going to be recording uh, Trek Trek about Enterprise by the time the new show premieres. So, yeah, well, then I guess let's get to it. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 7, The Shipment, uh, original air date October 29th, 2003. Uh, the episode opens in the Zindi Council Room. And the Zindi are preparing to test their weapon on an uninhabited planet, but they need at least a hundred kilograms of a substance called chemosite. Hmm. We learn that the weapon will be ready in a matter of weeks. It's the opening credits. When the episode comes back on Enterprise in the command center, uh, Archer, Tapal, and Reed are looking for the colony that Tarkin told them about in the previous episode. Uh, if in case you forgot, Tarquin was that crazy, creepy mind reader <laughs> guy who was all after Hoshi. Yeah, uh, but it it ended up with him actually giving them some useful intelligence, I guess, because they're definitely heading there. But he's still a creep. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter what he gave him; he's a creepo. Uh. The uh, Enterprise crew members don't see any signs of Zindi defenses, but Archer wants to be on the safe side. So he takes a shuttle pod with Reed and Major Hayes down to the planet's surface to scope things out while the Enterprise hides on the far side of the moon. Uh, Archer isn't keen on a military assault. He wants to sneak into the Zindi complex solid snake style. Uh, the OA team <laughs> breaks in, and Reed finds several, hun- several hundred kilograms of an unknown radiolytic compound, uh, which we learned is chemosite. Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, a trio of Zindi appear. They look kind of simian. Uh, they reveal that this is a chemosite synthesizing facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, canister of chemosite is beamed aboard Enterprise so they can analyze it, uh, back on the planet. Uh, Reed and Hayes want to destroy the facility from orbit, but Archer wants to know where the chemosite is going because it might lead them to the Zindi weapon. Uh, Archer, Reed, and Hayes sneak up on one of the Zindi, uh, who we learned is named Greylick. Uh, and interrogate him in his home, and Archer does his best Jack Bauer impression. <laughs> They're really pushing uh, for Archer to be kind of a, you know, a, a tough guy. Yeah. In this season. Maybe and they I don't know how it works. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe they thought he was too nice in the first two mm-hmm. seasons. Well, I think that's definitely what we're seeing is a rethink on him a bit. 
Uh, on Enterprise, Tapal and Trip are analyzing the chemocyte. They confirm that the chemocyte was used in the weapon that attacked Earth. Uh, Reed congratulates Archer on being able to destroy one of the Zindi's weapon facilities. But Archer is having second thoughts, saying that the Zindi acted in self-defense and they attacked Earth because they thought the Earth was going to attack them. Uh, destroying the chemocyte facility will confirm to the Zindi that humans are the enemy. Reed reminds Archer of the 7 million people that the Zindi killed, and this steals Archer's resolve, and he will, uh, he still wants to ensure that the residential area is left untouched by the blast, however. Mm-hmm. So he still, you know, has a heart. Yeah. Uh,. And Archer will deal with Greylick when the time comes. Mm, okay. Uh, Greylick still insists that he's not involved in weapons development, uh, but Archer shows him a piece of the probe that attacked Earth. After flying into a rage, Archer believes that Greylick didn't know about Earth. On Enterprise, uh, Trip and Flocks examine a Zindi rifle. Flox is there because the weapons have some uh, organic components, uh, namely worm-like creatures that can reproduce. It's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grelick reveals more about Degra and the different species of Zindi. There are six, or there was a sixth species of Zindi, uh, the avians, but they went extinct. Uh, we learned that there was a war that lasted 100 years, but it ended when the insectoids and reptilians detonated explosives beneath eight seismic fissures, which destroyed their homeworld. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we actually saw that in a, a previous episode, right? Uh-huh. Hmm. The uh, remains, that is. Yeah. But now we get the full story. Mm-hmm. Uh, T'Pol calls Archer and tells him that a reptilian Zindi ship is approaching the planet. Uh, on Enterprise in Sickbay, Phlox has, uh, Phlox has discovered that the organic component of the rifle helps modulate the power output. Phlox has been trying to make the worm sick, but it's immune to a lot of things. Uh, However, Delta radiation affects them, which will allow the Enterprise to jam the reptilians' weapons. Unfortunately, the amount of radiation required would be hazardous to humans. And we also learned that the worms love Omicron radiation because they got real big. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Greylick wants to meet with the visiting Zindi to find out information about the weapon. Uh, Greylick doesn't want his work to be corrupted, but Archer still isn't sure that he can trust him. On Enterprise in the Armory, Trip and Flocks want to test the Zindi rifle, but T'Pol isn't so sure. Back on the planet, all the Zindi are looking for Greylick. He's a popular guy. Yeah, I mean, he went missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Greylick and the away team are hiking through the forest while Zindi probes called Seekers chase after them. They're seeking them. Uh, one of the Seekers is destroyed and the other escapes. Uh, Greylick suggests that they hide in some nearby caves. On Enterprise, Trip tries to fire the Zindi rifle, but it won't fire. Instead, a countdown begins, and the rifle is about to self-destruct. So Trip runs to the transporter, uh, 
the transporter pad and beams it off the ship right before it explodes. I thought that was pretty um, suspenseful, actually. <laughs> like, I knew it wasn't going to blow the ship up, but it was, it was done pretty well, I think. I thought he was going to put it in a chamber full of uh, Delta radiation. Oh, right. That would have been interesting. I mean, they kind of telegraphed that, but didn't. They didn't, no. Uh, on the planet, uh, Greylick and the away team are hiding in a cave. Archer has decided not to destroy the chemocyte facility, as that would be punishing the people on the planet who weren't responsible for the attack on Earth. Mm-hmm. Archer is now willing to trust Greylick, so they let him go. Uh, Reed and Hayes don't like this, however. Uh, T'Pol and Hoshi beam the chemocyte cancer down to the way team. The radiolytic signature has been modified, allowing Enterprise to track it. Archer sneaks aboard the Zindi shuttle to swap canisters. Uh, Greylick notices Archer exiting the shuttle, so he stalls Degra and the insectoid Zindi by asking what the chemocyte is being used for. Uh, and Degra tells Greylick that, uh, the weapon will be used against a, quote, ruthless alien species that is going to destroy the Zindi. Um, later, Archer and Greylick share a drink in Greylick's home, toasting to trust. Uh, Archer is worried that Degra will retaliate once he finds out that the chemocyte has been sabotaged. Greylick wants Archer to remember that, uh, quote, all Zindi are not your enemy. Uh-huh. And... Archer replies, I will, as the episode ends. Yeah. So this was an interesting episode uh, in a sense in that, you know, it wasn't a kind of traditional Star Trek, you know, there wasn't, you know, a story of there being, you know, something that needed to really be resolved or there wasn't, you know, a deeper meaning or they weren't, you know, encountering a new new life and new civilizations that, you know, they had to understand or, or communicate with. It was very much in service of the overarching plot. Um, and, yeah, I thought it, it was pretty good at, at advancing that, and it was good to see, you know, something that was the, that seemed to be a continuation of, you know, the previous episode. Um but again, you know, there's, I, I would also like there to be, you know, I know they're out there trying to, you know, get through the expanse and stop the Zindi, but I feel like we're not getting, there, there's no discovery in, in the show right now. It's well, not about that, I guess. Uh, in a way, it was very Star Trek, though, because they're well, viewing it from the other side. Uh, they were so obsessed with uh, retaliating against the Zindi. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And now they realize, hey, not all Zindi are the bad guys. Right. Yeah. It's it's don't basically don't punish uh all of them for, you know, the actions of the the ones that are trying to destroy the earth. They're not not every Zindi wants to destroy the earth. Yeah. Uh, it was also it's also interesting to get some of the Zindi Zindi backstory. I still think it's it's interesting that there are so many different, you know, species of Zindi, if you will, or races of, of Zindi. And, and, it, and it kind of it boggles my mind that these all existed on the same planet. You know, that'd be like if, you know, on Earth we had like, you know, well, I mean, we have dolphins and things like that. But if like, you know, dolphins were talking <laughs> and, you know, there were just all these super sentient life forms on Earth right? that, that spoke and, you know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of neat. Uh, you know the avians are going to come into play. 
Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, there was this mysterious six species and they went extinct. But... Mm, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> sure they did. Maybe they'll swoop in literally at the uh, at the 11th hour and help the humans for some reason. Uh, we'll see. That's that's my prediction. But yeah, all in all, um, yeah, I liked this episode. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't it was a good episode. It wasn't mm-hmm. a great episode, but it felt I don't know. It felt Star Trekky enough for me. Although mm-hmm. it's still weird that, like we mentioned earlier, that they're trying to make Archer into this badass. And yeah, that that still doesn't work for me, and I don't think it isn't really that necessary. I think if anything, you know, they could have, you know, someone else like Reed play that role, you know, mm-hmm. have Archer, Archer be the good cop and someone else be the bad cop. But yeah, it's he's... really weird, because, especially because it's Scott Bakula and mm-hmm. you know him yeah. from Quantum Leap and you're just like, no, this is the nice guy. He he can't be the mean, tough guy. Yeah, right. Um, no, but I thought it was it was good in that it, it furthered the storyline that's been ongoing and. And they actually, you know, they actually acted on something from the previous episode, and then they ended up um, coming up with a pretty clever plan. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where it takes this season. Um, but as you said earlier, we're only a small portion of the way through this season, so it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Twilight. UPN Wednesday, a stunning new Star Trek Enterprise. In the blink of an eye, Earth, their greatest fear. Destroyed. How could it have happened? We could have saved them. And who will pay? You are relieved of command. The Enterprise you must not miss. And we're back. Uh, Let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 8, Twilight. Uh, original air date November fifth, two thousand three. Take it away, Randy. All right. So sorry to uh, disappoint you folks, but I'm going to spoil it right off the bat. There are no space vampires in this episode. What? <laughs> yeah, but there's some pretty crazy shenanigans. So let's go ahead. Um, episode starts with Archer waking up to the uh, sounds and the shaking of a battle. Uh, it seems to be a battle taking place outside Enterprise. Uh, he makes his way from his quarters to the bridge. He gets there, and uh, the rest of the, the senior crew of the ship is engaged in combat. And we see T'Pol in a Starfleet uniform, which is a little odd. Uh, she orders that Archer be returned to his quarters. Uh, then we see the Zindi superweapon, a much larger version of the ship that attacked Earth uh, at the, uh, I guess, end of last season at this point, uh, comes onto the view screen and opens fire on Earth. Uh, before you know it, the Earth cracks open like an egg that's been dropped and is destroyed. Cue the credits, a pretty dramatic opening. So what the heck's going on? Come back from the credits, uh, Archer wakes up in a house, um, and he looks older and has almost... Like a Vulcan haircut? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Uh, kind of. But it's, it's, it's a gray. <laughs> it's it's has, a gray. The important thing is he has gray hair. Yeah. Yeah, he's been aged up a little bit. Uh, and we realize that he's there with T'Pol. 
and not just to Paul, but long hair variant to Paul. <laughs> her real, her real hair. That, yeah, the her real hair. Real is, hair. The actress's real hair has come out, and we get to see how long it is. Uh, the two of them sit down for breakfast, and she reveals to him that it has been twelve years since his last memory on board Enterprise. Dun dun dun. Another thing to note is that she calls him Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And not uh, like Captain or uh, no. some other thing. Yeah, so it's it's first name basis to Paul as well. Uh, we get a flashback. Uh, she starts recounting what happened, and the two of them are walking down a corridor on the Enterprise, talking about the upcoming movie night and how they will be watching the film Rosemary's Baby. What? Not Which, something from the 40s or 50s? No, not something from the 40s or 50s, but from the 60s. <laughs> so the same era that the original series was aired, 1968, in fact. So still super old at this point. Well, a little uh, bit more modern. <laughs> yeah, true. It was in color, at least. <laughs> uh, at this point, uh, an anomaly. Uh, so so much for all that, that shielding they put on the ship. Uh, an anomaly from the Expanse hits the ship and tears through it uh doesn't tear the ship apart but is heading down the corridor um it knocks over some parts of the bulkheads and uh T'Pol is trapped under some debris uh archer fights to free her and does so but then he himself is hit by a second wave of the anomaly uh we're in sick bay next uh archer is wakes up uh, and Phlox is there, and we find out uh, that even though Archer thinks it's only been a couple of hours since he was knocked unconscious, it's actually been several days. Uh, we learn that his brain has been infected by what Phlox says are interspatial parasites from the anomaly, and they've left him without the ability to form long-term memories. So he's uh, not really groundhog daying it, but it's almost like, well, for lack of a better... Uh, comparison like space Alzheimer's maybe it basically um, this episode should have been called memento moment <laughs> Star Trek colon memento so basically from this point we learn that because of his uh, affliction uh, Starfleet's issued a field commendation uh, to T'Pol and promoted her to captain of the Enterprise hence the uh, Starfleet uniform in the previous episode uh, we find out that the Enterprise, uh, though it was on the trail from the previous episode and, and uh, those before it, of the Zendi superweapon, wasn't able to stop its use. Uh, hence, Earth being destroyed in the in the intro to the episode. Uh, they did come close at one point, uh, but a battle ensued between Enterprise and the Zendi reptilians uh, that resulted in the deaths of many members of the crew, including Mayweather. So he, at this point, has been killed. Um, Earth, as we saw, was destroyed. And the Zendi went on to scour uh, the quadrant and beyond for the remaining humans to hunt down and kill them. Uh, we find out that the Enterprise, uh, the Intrepid, and a couple of remaining Starfleet ships basically um, went all Battlestar Galactica and led a ragtag fleet... <laughs> <laughs> of Earth vessels uh, looking for a new home. Um, interesting uh, aside uh, in reading some of the trivia about this episode, uh, apparently 
um, the uh, Mike Sussman, the, the the writer of this episode, had actually read uh, early treatment of the Battlestar Galactica reboot before he wrote this. Um, I don't know if it was like a little bit of an homage or not, uh, but you can kind of see that. Yeah. It, make, yeah. it makes sense. Ron Moore was a longtime writer on Star Trek and right, right. obviously so, friends with writers on Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, so a little little tip of the hat there, probably. Uh, so this convoy eventually uh, brought humanity to a little planet you may have heard of called SETI Alpha 5. Con! Con! Uh, ironically, this is a planet that in probably a couple hundred years' time in the normal Star Trek timeline would end up uh, being destroyed. Um, and then later we'd learn about its fate in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So with, with humanity on this kind of secret outpost, the secret colony on SETI Alpha 5, uh, the Enterprise and the rest of the Starfleet ships are in orbit, uh, with the Enterprise being under the command of one Trip Tucker. So, uh, T'Pol has actually left her post as Captain of the Enterprise to care for Archer in his twilight, if you will. <laughs> um, I don't think they're that, that, uh, you know, up front about the, the title of the episode. But uh at this point, you know, understandably, Archer starts to question whether or not uh, this is some kind of deception on the part of the Zindi or some, you know, someone else in the expanse. Uh, but in order to prove that it isn't, uh, T'Pol starts to recount some private details um, about Archer's past that only, uh, that she would only know if he had told her. Um, I don't know exactly how that proves anything because, you know, they could have used some drugs on him or something to get that. But anyways, the idea is that this is actually real and actually happening. Um, at this point, uh, still in the home, uh, Phlox arrives uh, straight from Denobula, uh, where he has returned uh, to check in on Archer. Um, it's, at this point, it's revealed that uh, he had been researching uh, these interspatial parasites, and he believed for a long time that nothing short of a, uh, as he says, nothing short of a subspace implosion will cure Archer. Um, but since that isn't possible, he had been working on a surgical cure uh, for some time that he thinks may be effective, but will require the uh, basically the power output of a Starship warp core. Um, so the idea is that they are going to return to Enterprise for the first time in a long time in order to test out this treatment. How convenient. Yeah. So they get on the Enterprise. Uh, Archer you know, hasn't been there in a long time. Um, he sees Hoshis, has a new hairstyle. Uh, he sees uh, Reed, who has a goatee. <laughs> That's how <laughs> you know, know time has passed. People yeah, have different hairstyles. Yeah, basically anything they can do to convey that, you know, time has passed. Like, they put a little age makeup on Trip and all that. Uh, but you get the sense that, you know, it's been, it's it's definitely been a while. It's It's been, you know, a dozen years or so. Yeah, it's only um, been a dozen years, though. Everyone acts like they aged like 20 years yeah that's true i guess it really hasn't been long uh they get back on the enterprise uh, they head to uh to engineering uh, eventually to um to this chamber where um uh you know basically flox is going to use you know basically kind of like you know directed laser kind of surgery to excise the uh the interspatial parasites uh, they tap into the warp core and uh, they perform the first treatment 
Um, and it actually uh, seems to work. Uh, they, they can't get rid of all the parasites with one treatment, uh, but they get rid of uh, some of them. But there's something strange uh, going on. They, they discover, uh, Flock says, looking at his scans of Archer's brain from the past, that eliminating the parasites in the present also seems to eliminate them in the past um, hmm. because they're, you know, it's like quantum physics. I don't know. The parasites are outside of time. Yes, they exist outside of time. They're special anomaly parasites. Uh, and it leads him to consider that if they're able to eliminate them from the past, perhaps that will somehow alter uh, history, alter their present, because perhaps Archer would not have been relieved of duty, and he may have been able to um, prevent the Zindi super weapon. So all efforts must be made to cure Archer as soon as possible. Unfortunately, um, Trip learns from a, a spy in the system that the Zindi are on to the location of the last humans, and before you know it, the Zindi have arrived. Um, what ensues is, you know, it's pretty, uh, climactic, uh, space battle around SETI Alpha 5 between the remaining Earth ships and the Zindi ships. Um, the, uh, Intrepid gets kind of carved up, but speaking of which, uh, the Enterprise, uh, basically the whole senior staff is on the bridge with the exception of T'Pol and Phlox and Archer. Uh, when the bridge is basically carved out of the ship and they, I guess, all die. Yep. Uh, so it's pretty pretty messed up <laughs> to to use uh use what the kids say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, see, I'm feeling 12 years older talking about this. Uh, anyways, uh, down in engineering, uh, Archer and Flocks into Paul, you know, realizing that things are looking pretty grim, uh, basically decide, you know what. We're probably not going to make it out of this alive anyways. So remember, Flocks, what you were saying about nothing short of a subspace implosion being able to cure Archer? Well, why don't we make one using the warp <laughs> core? So we're going to overload and implode the warp core, hopefully cure Archer, and wipe this whole timeline from existence. Um, they start getting the warp core ready uh, when Zindi uh, reptilians board the ship and open fire. Paul and Phlox are killed. And with his dying act, Archer detonates the warp core, and he wakes up <laughs> back in uh, wakes up back in sick bay, right after he uh, the the events where he saved uh, to Paul from the uh, the fallen bulkhead, and he learns that his mind is fine, completely free of these parasites, and uh, as a result, this timeline and these events never happened. So a reset switch, basically. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Crisis averted. Um, so a couple things. Mm -hmm. uh, want to bring up why the anomalies are affecting the Enterprise. Uh, if you recall, they only had enough trillium to have the forward hull insulated. Oh, right. mm -hmm. and not the All right. Good point. Good point. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> uh, this, another point. Uh, this entire episode, I thought it was a dream. I was convinced that it was a dream. A dream or, yeah, something. Uh, what? Well, I, I mean, I thought it was, you thought it was a dream. just okay. a dream. Like, I thought Archer had hit his head and was passed out. And, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what really convinced me was a conversation that T'Pol had with Saval 
and mm-hmm. she admits that uh, the Vulcans held back the humans' warp program. Mm-hmm. And because that's exactly what Archer suspected the Vulcans were doing. Yeah, so that's kind of what he wanted to hear. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it turned out it was it was all real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a nice surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they kind of had that little those little bits that kind of had you questioning whether or not it was really happening. Yeah, um, I mean, you knew none of this would stick, regardless. Right. But it, I mean, that would have been pretty bold. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, and then in uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was cool to have little nods. Uh, the whole SETI Alpha Five thing was a nice mm-hmm. nod for me. It was neat to see all the Enterprise crew, uh, you know, aged up and seeing mm-hmm. what could happen in the future. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a what if episode. Mm-hmm. Um, done in a bit of a different way. Yeah. I'm never a big fan of the reset switch at the end of something like this. Um, you know, I, I'm not, it's not to the extent where I, I just, I can't stand it. Like I know some people, they can't stand it. Some people can't stand dream sequences, you know, where you find out basically like what you were thinking that the whole thing had been a dream. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Like I'm not of that mindset. I just, you know, obviously they're not going to be so bold as to have this stick. Um, I mean, that would have been off the charts crazy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe in more modern sci-fi that might actually happen. Um, I think a good example, tying back into the, I was talking about Battlestar Galactica, was, you know, there's a point in in that series where something happens and you think, like, I can't believe they did this. Like, you know, that they that they had something happen that, that change the series a bit um but you know i i i thought it was cool to see a possible outcome it felt like it it made kind of the stakes of what they're trying to prevent seem more real or more like they they could have a lot of impact because you saw basically that yeah i mean the zindi are a really credible threat yeah, and that mankind would basically become an endangered species. Yeah, if Enterprise does not accomplish its mission. Yeah, yeah so it, it puts more weight on, you know, the, them succeeding. Um, I thought that the pace of the episode, um, the writing, just kind of like the general, it was a really like tight episode. And uh, it, it was just, I thought it was really well done. I think it was one of the most kind of polished episodes that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um and and I could really get into kind of the like tonally, and it, it it didn't you know it had Archer, but it wasn't Archer being like you said like Jack Bauer. It wasn't like bad cop Archer. It was it was Archer kind of the person you expect to be in control as the captain, not in control. Mm-hmm. And I guess it kind of it it kind of harkened back to. Um, uh, and I'm I'm gonna butcher it. I always forget the the name of the episode. But there's an episode of of uh, a really famous episode of TNG where um, uh, Picard is kind of in a maybe pseudo similar situation on a planet where you know it's like oh he's you know what's he doing living on this planet? What's happened? You know, like kind of he's he does you know his life on the Enterprise is kind of gone and. Um, you know, so not completely the same, but kind of tonally reminded me of it a bit. 
Uh, and it was interesting to see that the, the idea and it, I guess in a way it did kind of showed you the relationship between, um, to Paul and Archer and that kind of the logic or the kind of the way that would play out would be that she actually cared about him enough that she would give up everything to take care of him. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty important, I think. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't like a romantic relationship. No, I don't know if they even kind of alluded to that. It was just very, it was just very much a caretaker relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Which was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, (laughs) it was just weird that Mayweather, you know, Mayweather had been killed off, so we didn't even get to see him. I mean, they haven't Mayweather. done much with him lately no. at all. I was just thinking, maybe it was like, how are we going to make him seem older? <laughs> he seems so young. <laughs> Can you imagine if he had showed up with, like, gray hair? He should have like, an eye patch or something. An eye patch. Yeah, it could have been, oh, Mayweather was, you know, seriously injured in this Zindi confrontation. He has an eye patch with, like, a cybernetic arm. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Why didn't you do that, Sussman? Come on. But yeah, Suss- Mike Sussman, he's he's definitely written some of my favorite episodes of the series so far. He's and I'm looking forward to to the ones he has coming up because apparently he gets more uh, involved in the the week to week writing of the show. That's cool. So yeah, um, just one final note I had written down. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to Paul in a Starfleet uniform, and I wish she would wear it all the time. Yeah, why not? Because I mean, her, she's her skin tight outfits are just ridiculous. Yeah. It makes her feel like more, I mean, at this point, it's like she's been accepted as a member of the crew. She should just wear the uniform. Mm -hmm. It's not even so much like a Starfleet uniform. It's like an Enterprise crew uniform, right? I mean, it's a Starfleet uniform, but you know what I mean? Like, just wear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, this was a good episode. Yeah. I think we've had a, had a, I mean, of the two, I I would say this is superior, but I think this this week we've had a couple of pretty strong episodes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next time we're going to talk about North Star and similitude. Ooh. Don't all right. Don't know anything about those. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Riding these animals. Drop that, whatever it is! Star Trek Enterprise. 